Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Good morning, KLM. How are you guys doing? I am, I don't know if you guys are surprised to see me today, or if it's a welcome surprise or, or not, but um, I'm glad to be here back in KLM building. I haven't been here in, since March, so maybe six months or so. Um, so I'm thankful to be back here. I'm thankful, um, you know, big shout out to PD and, and Dave and everybody that's been kind of holding the fort down for this last couple months. I know this pandemic is not, has not been easy for a lot of us. Um, so, you know, thank you yeah, to Brother Frank, uh, First Lady Courtney, everybody that's been, you know, sharing and, and ministering these last couple of weeks. Um, thank you for, for your service to the ministry and to God. I'm, I'm praying that today uh, you'll be blessed by this sermon as well. Um, we've been good. The family's been good. Boys, um, just give a little update on, on us. We're, we're okay. We're surviving. Everybody's healthy. Um, you know, you guys have definitely been in our prayers and in our thoughts. Amen. So uh, let's pray before I start today. Uh, Father, I thank you for this opportunity to minister to your people, Lord God. I pray that the, I pray that you would be glorified in this sermon. I pray that people will um, that you people will be ministered to, Father. That you will have your way in this word today, Father. That you would um, let your will be done. Um, that you, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. I thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, yeah, 2020 has been an interesting year so far, as we, as we all know. Um, and now we're at one of the most crucial times in, in, in the year, um, which is election time. I know a lot of people, so this is election season. I know many of us have already voted. I know I've sent my ballots out. A lot of us have dropped off our ballots, sent it in by mail, um, did early voting, a uh, number of other things. But I think, um, as, so today I just want to talk about how should we vote as Christians? How do we vote in 2020? Um, how do we approach the election? How do we approach these decisions? Um, so this is going to be my fifth time voting. I know you guys can do the math and, and come up with how old I am. Yes, I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> so this is going to be my fifth time voting uh, in the presidential elections. And I, you know, growing up in an immigrant household, um, voting has always been some, something of a privilege, right? So I remember uh, my father didn't become a, a citizen, a U.S. citizen, until much later. Um, he's probably into his 40s at the time. So I remember just the anticipation of him voting for the first time um, and the excitement be around that was somewhat of a privilege. I think a lot of us don't take, you know, that we take for granted of the privilege that we get in this country to vote. Um, so I remember one of my first time voting. So that, that sentiment, that excitement of voting was still there and resonating with me with the first time that I voted. And at that time, I was away at college, um, 18. I did my voting by mail, did the absentee ballot. Um, this was three years removed from the events of 9-11. Uh, we were in the midst of two, war two wars around the world. And everybody talked about this was the, this was the election 
of our lifetime. This was the election that we need to pay attention to. This is the, the, the biggest election that we'll ever experience. So fast forward to 2020, I'm again voting by mail, and everybody thinks this is the most important election of our lifetime. I'm starting to realize they say that every election, that every election is the election of our lifetime. They probably said that before I started voting, and they will continue saying that um, for years to come. So, but we've been, you know, we're still here, and we're surviving each election. Each election brings its different consequences and different repercussions. But you know, God is still faithful, and God has kept us thus far. And despite the the, the uh, results of this election, God will continue to keep us. Um, so um, here we are in, in 2020, at this time that we are voting, and I, like I said before, a lot of us have voted already, but I think we need to really examine and, and think about how we should vote as followers of the Bible, as believers in Christ. Um, so my, my aim here is not to endorse any specific candidate, um, but to help us think through some of our voting processes as believers. So whether you're voting for Trump or Biden or perhaps Kanye West, I'm not here to judge you. You can vote however you uh, are convicted to vote, and you should vote however you uh, are convicted to, uh, to vote in this election. Um, so this, this sermon is designed to inform you that when you are voting, when you fill out your ballots, when you walk into the voting booths, however you decide to, to vote this year, that we are um, making an educated vote closely aligned to God's word as close as we can. Um, so, yeah, so it brings, it brings us to some questions um, that I hopefully we can answer and we can think through throughout this sermon. Um, so, so I want us to either close your eyes or just think about a scenario where you have two specific candidates. On one side, you have a candidate who is a professing Christian who, um, the, who loves God, who, who, uh, identif who identifies as a Christian. Their plans are confronting racism. They're, they're pro-life. They, pro they promote justice for the poor and for immigrants. And all of their policies seem to identify with a Christian worldview and they approach situations through a Christian approach. Um, and on the other side, you have a, perhaps an atheist or agnostic person who um, has no respect for the church or the word of God and holds no, no position that is um, identifiable as a Christian perspective. So in this dream scenario, our decisions as believers and as Christians would be an easy one, right? So everybody, every pastor in America should get up and say, hey, vote for, Christian, vote for candidate A, because that is the candidate that closely identifies with, with um, the word of God. Um, and so our, our decision will be easy. We can cast our ballot and go home and this sermon can be over. But unfortunately, in 2020, I don't believe that is the case. And if you, dis if you disagree, don't email me, email PD or something, and you can tell him <laughs> your thoughts. Um, but in, in America, where uh, we are a de democratic republic that we primarily vote between um, two parties, you know, for, you know, forever. And for the foreseeable future, it seems like we'll be voting for two, two candidates from two primary parties, whether it be a democratic or republican 
for the foreseeable future. And in both cases, we have both parties that have platforms that ha they have platforms that represents a Christian perspective, um, such as pro-life, such as um, anti-racism, and so forth. And also, in both parties, we have platforms that do not reflect the Christian perspective or reflect the kingdom of God. So we, but so essentially, as a Christian, we're going to decide between these two parties. And how do we decide between these two parties when we are voting? Um, so in, in, 20, in a number of issues, Democrats represent the kingdom of God. In a number of issues, Republicans represent the kingdom of God. And a number of other issues, they're both anti-ethical to the kingdom of God. So when we're voting, how do we process these things? So we got to remember that we're not just voting on one particular issue when it comes to election. When we're voting for presidents, we're not talking about one particular issue. If we're talking about a host of issues, and in, in 2020, we have a number of issues, right? So I, there's a, I can go through a whole list of issues that we are voting on and that our presidential candidate would be taking platforms on um, in 2020. For example, we have coronavirus response, right? So how do we handle the, this pandemic how to, from a um, scientific point of view, from a, you know supporting people that lost jobs, that lost income, supporting businesses, the ramifications behind that. So that's one thing that we have to think about. Our judicial appointments, um, you know, presidents appoint judges, and judges set precedents. They, um, they make rules on laws, they set precedents, and that affects us, that affects our brothers, that affects our country. Um, we have to think about gun control, gender identity, abortion, minimum wage, climate change, um, prison reform, police reform. These are a number of things that we have to consider as we are casting our ballots. And all of these things have to play into how we think about who we're voting for. And we have to think about what does God think about these particular topics and how do we... Um, and so that, that should affect how we think about these particular topics. Uh, can I get an amen? <laughs> uh, so how does our faith affect our politics? That's one thing we have to consider. I, I know many of us, if you ask a lot of believers, they'll probably tell you that they vote based on their Christian uh, values and, and based on their Christian um, or they choose their, I should say, they choose their politics based on their Christian worldview. But I think if we look at a lot of statistics and we look at even our, um, our personal lives and the evidences in our personal lives, it's often, and it's even increasing that we are choosing our faith and we're choosing our Christian, um, and we're choosing our, our, our community, our Christian community, and we're, we're associating with certain, certain local churches based on our politics. So whether, um, so we're, uh, if we look at our friends, a lot of our friends and a lot of our circles, we often um, associate with people that think like us in a, on a political spectrum. So we're seeing that um, increasingly, and as both parties are going, are dividing even more and more so on certain issues, that the vision is creeping into our churches and we are picking our, you know, we're picking our churches and our communities based on how we think about our politics. 
Um, so if uh, a, perhaps a, a pastor does not agree with, uh, with your political point of view, we're quick to leave that church and go to another church that has that political point of view. Um, so I think that we have to be really careful when we're choosing our Christian, our Christian communities based on our politics rather than our common faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so I believe that God is calling us to choose our politics based on our first, based on our faith rather than vice versa. But um, so that's something we need to consider as we're going through this 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 topic. Amen. Um, so before we get into voting, let's talk a little bit about our government. Let's talk a little bit about government and how um, and its roles in our society. I'm going to use use my electronic Bible today because it's a little quicker for me. Um, let's jump to Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read the first seven verses. It says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to, do to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does bear the sword in vain. But for, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subject, subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Amen. So here we see that government is a divine institution. So God sets up government. God created government. Why? For, our, for the good of human flourishing, right? So God, government is a God-ordained institution for the purposes of promoting good and restraining evil. So government creates laws and enforces laws for the flourishing of people. For example, um, government enforces... So if you, if you go out and you murder somebody, government set up the law that murder is, is, bad, is, is wrong, is a crime in this land, and you'll pay the punishment... And they will also in, enforce the punishment of that act. So government provides um, boundaries for our society to flourish. So the government is supposed to um, reduce abuse, um, restrain abuse, restrain evil from, um, from, for, for the benefit of the people of this land and ultimately the people, people of, this, of this world. Another, another reason for government is to provide examples of mercy and grace and justice. So government is supposed to uh, enforce justice and provide justice when something is when things are done wrong, government is there to enforce judgment, enforce justice 
and um, so, so we can realize justice in different situations. Amen? So the purpose of government is to provide for the good of people and to punish bad conduct among people. By the design of God, government bears the sword, meaning government has the authority to enforce laws and penalize lawbreakers. So here, as we see in verse, um, in verse 1, we see that, that God has instituted, instituted government, and, and we see in verse 2 that, whoever, that we are supposed to be in subject to government. So God gives us government, and we are, as the citizens of this land, as long as government is um, in line with the Word of God and in line with the, um, the laws of God, we are in subject to the laws and the, of the government. Um, so the, the government is here for everybody's flourishing, right? So that is the purpose of government. Um, so no authority exists apart from God. So God establishes kings, he establishes government, he establishes presidents, and God puts them in place for ultimately our good. And that's their, that is the purpose of government. The purpose of government is for our good. Um, not for selfish gain, not, to, not for monetary gain, not for anything else, but for the good of people. Um, so that's the reason that, that God is there. And every person is subject to the authorities of our government. Um, so if there is no government and no authority apart from God, then you cannot discuss government without bringing God into discussion. So as I said before, government is this divine institution. So we can't, we can't take the institution and get rid of the divine. So as we are thinking about our institution, we have to think about what does God, how does God play within our institution and what role um, as us as believers, how do we keep God, how do we keep the divine within our institution and allow God to have a say in a lot of the things that we're voting for and a lot of the positions of our government. Uh, amen? Um, that doesn't mean that people filling the positions within the government authorities are intentionally serving God or that the, that the decisions are in line with God. Because a lot, of, a lot of people that are in positions of government are not necessarily making decisions that are in line with God. But as we know, as believers, we can stay, have faith that God puts, God put presidents, God put kings in place for ultimately his will, for, um, to, for his will to be done in this, on this land, in the United States, in this world, that God can use good kings, he can use bad kings, he can use good presidents, he can use bad presidents for his will and for our good. Um, so as we vote... We can have hope in the sovereign God that God is still in control, that God knows who's the, who's the next president is, and that our hope can still lie in him, that he can, um, that he can, that, that God will have the ultimate authority over our lives and over our government. Amen? So God can use government, and God is intent to use government for our good, for the good of the land. But some things that God, the government should not be infringing on other authorities in our life. So, for instance, God, the government should not be infringing on some of our family authorities. Government should not be infringing on our authority, authority as a church, as parents. Um, so the government should not be telling us how to raise our kids, what we should be teaching our kids, 
how we should minister to people in our churches and how we should be as husbands. Um, so that's not the role of government. The role of government should not be to not be somebody's parent. Amen. The government, that's our role as parents, as we are raising our kids, that's our role to be parents and to teach them the things, hopefully from the word of God and hopefully things according to God's will. Uh, another thing that government should not be, um, a government should not pay our bills um, while we intentionally do, do not work. So government is not, should not be um, a crutch for us that we can um, rely on the government to pay our bills. The Bible talks about uh, if a man does not work, he should not eat. And Petey talks about this often, that, that sometimes God can use that hunger to drive a man to go work. So if you're a man, you should not be relying on the government to feed your family. Um, long term, especially, should not be relying on the government, but you should be seeking work and seeking ways to, to, to feed your family. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, civil government should provide safety nets, though. You know, as we're in the pandemic, I know a lot of us, a lot of people have lost jobs, they've lost positions, businesses have closed, has closed down. So government should be there to support people and be a bridge to people and to our society in times of distress and in times of, of disaster. But one thing, but the government should not be a long-term solution to meet your financial needs or to feed your family. Right. So you should not. I know some people that's been relying on government um, assistance for generations. Right. So granddaddy had granddaddy had um, government assistance. Now kids have government assistance. Grandkids have government assistance. At some point, we should be planning, you know, go to Dave Ramsey, do some baby steps and, you know, do some job training as we're as we're taking government assistance to, to better our situations and to provide for our families as individuals, not rely on the government to provide for our families, amen? Hopefully I'm not stepping on too many toes there. But um, the government's role is to provide, to produce and design to produce self-sufficiency. You know, um, that's the position of the government. It's not to be our parent. It's not to be our God. It's not to be our, our source of income, amen? So, our, our, so this leads us to another question. So what is our role in government? Um, let's jump to, so as we see in, in Romans chapter 13, verse 5, um, it says, So therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So we have to be in subjection to government as long as they're in the will of God, as long as there are, as long as the laws are, you know, doesn't, uh, um, does not go beyond the laws of God, but uh, we are in subjection to, to our government. And if we jump to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Hope you guys are staying with me a little bit. Um, first, verse 13, it says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be um, to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent to him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants to God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Right? So um, our role in government 
is to reflect his government, reflect God's governance by working to promote good, to punish evil, to protect all people from harm. So our role as citizens within government is to ensure that our government are, is living up to these standards, right? So thankfully in America, we have a, demo, a, a democratic society where we have a vote that we can, if the government is not living up to, to meeting the needs of the people, that we can cast a vote um, and, you know, and remove that person from office if they're not fulfilling their, their, their mission of meeting the needs of the, of, the, of the citizens and to protecting people and punishing evil. So if the government's not doing their job, our role in society, our role in this, in this, in this government is to ensure that they do. And to reflect that in our um, in in areas that we have authority in our families, in our churches, in our local communities, we reflect that same authority. Um, that and if, actually, let's jump there. In Genesis, Genesis chapter one, in verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight. It talks about, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in our areas of that we have authority in, you know, I talked about our families and our churches and our local communities, we are to reflect the same, the same um, mission that the government are, is, is, is supposed to do, you know, protect, um, promote good, punish evil, and protect people, we're all supposed to reflect those same qualities within our areas of authority. Um, another thing is in our, role in, in our role in government is to do justice, you know, um, so that which is right for all people um, as exemplified in the character of God and expressed through the word of God. So we are to seek justice. Wherever we see injustices within our society and within our government, our job is to speak up on the behalf of the, of the oppressed and the people that are, um, that are subject to this injustice. Our role is to speak up for them and to uh, let our voice be, be heard for, on their behalf. Um, so we have to steward any responsibility that we have uh, for the good of all, all people affected by our government. So our job is to steward this, to help this government steward um, the responsibility for everybody within our land and for the, flourishing, for the flourishing of the people of this country. So one question that, that I hear a lot is, do we have to vote? And if we look throughout scripture, there is no, there's no clear directive on God mandating us or the scriptures mandating us to vote, right? There's no prime, there's no um, democratic elections within scriptures. So we don't see, so nobody can, can specifically say that God requires that we cast a vote on November 3rd or, or prior to. But, um, but based on a biblical command of us seeking the flourishing of our neighbors and and, and in America, we have a right to, we have the ability to vote. We have the ability to cast a vote. So that's a grace that God has given us within this country. So 
it seems that we should have the we should have we and we do have a responsibility to use every grace that God has given us to um the, that God has given us to steward for the sake of good um, and glorifying and God glorifying God governance. So every grace that God has given us, we should be able to, we should use it for the benefit to love God and to love our neighbors. So every grace. So if we have a grace to, um, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of a grace, uh, a grace to, 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 to clean, for example, we should use that grace to help our neighbors, to love our neighbors, to love God, to love our neighbors. And, and here we have a grace to vote. And we sh- I believe we should use this, this grace to love God and to love our neighbors. Amen? Um, what's most important is that we are, um, what's most important is that based on God's word, um, we should use our, we should use our vote as a matter of faithfulness before God. For our vote is a unique privilege and responsibility that God has entrusted to us by his grace. And God has called us to use this grace to love him above all and love our neighbors as ourselves. So what's loving it for our neighbors, if we see injustices, if we see things that are not right, to vote, to use our voice, a simple vote that we have to, to, for the benefit of others and the benefit of this land. Amen? Hope you're getting something so far. Um, so things. So, so here's some things to consider. So let's jump to Mark chapter 12, verse 13. And it says, and they sent to him some of the some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinions, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So here, um, the Pharisees and Herodians tried to trap Jesus into a, 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 a trick question, right? Jesus could have answered this question a number of ways, and that would have fed into their, um, their assumptions of Jesus. But Jesus kind of threw them for a loop. He told them um, they were talking about taxes. He said, so Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar. So essentially, give to the government what is the government. Um, so our taxes, whatever the government requires, whatever the government gives us. So in our, in our society, the government, there are certain things that the government is in control of, like you know, our, our fire departments, our police departments, our streets. Um, those are the things that our, our taxes pay for. So Jesus is saying, Jesus is pretty much saying here, um, for those things that the government provides, yes, give whatever they require. Um, but for everything else, um, give it to God. So everything else is our hope, our obedience, our trust is in God. So I, whatever, so our taxes and the th- and our, our vote, 
can be given to, to the government, but everything else is God's. Um, so, so within the legitimate boundaries of government, we give, we give the government what is theirs, but everything else is Jesus's, belongs to Jesus. So our hope is in, is in Jesus and not in the president. So as we are casting our ballots, as we are thinking about our election, we, gotta, we have to remember that our hope is in Jesus and not the president. You know, so our, our allegiance is not going to be to either side. It's not going to be to the Republican Party. It's not going to be to the Democratic Party. It's not going to be to the birthday party. But it will be to Jesus Christ. Amen? So the government has no, in, no business in, in interfering with the preeminence of God in our lives. So the government has no business interfering with how we worship God, how we trust God, how we hope in God. That all belongs to God. And how we obey God, that belongs to Him. So even as, as a result of this election, if we lose every freedom that we, every freedom and protection that we have as followers of Christ in the United States, we can still have hope that we can live in the abundance in the, in the abundant life that Jesus has given us. So whether if we can't ever congregate again because of, you know, and, and, and we can't ever congregate again face to face as a result of this election, or if they take away our rights to, to pray in school, they take away our rights to congregate, they take away whatever rights that we can think of, whatever fair tax that they use, that, that God, we can still have abundant life within God and we can still love God, we can still obey God, and we can still serve God. Amen. So as the Christian thought becomes, if it's not already, as the Christian thought worldview becomes a minority worldview in this, in this country, we can still have hope. You know, uh, we're not relying on the government to legislate our Christian faith and legislate us being able to worship God the way we know how to worship God and based on his word. Um, so we can still have hope. We can still have joy. We can still have peace. We still have, we still have confidence regardless of what happens in our government, regardless of who is elected, regardless of who becomes president, regardless of who the judges are, we can still have hope and we can still have peace and, 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 and joy in Jesus. As long as we look into Jesus for these things, we're not looking for, we're not looking to our presidents to provide hope, to provide joy, to provide financially, to provide opportunity, but we're looking to God to provide these things. But we look to the government to provide, to, you know, to provide streetlights and to provide roads and to provide uh, a fire department and a police department that, is, that works for the benefit of us, right? So those are the things that we need to seek, that we need to approach the government for. But for everything else, we need to, we need to rely on God for those things. Um, so we're not, we're not relying on the government for um, securities in our faith that only God can provide. So only God is going to provide that security within our faith. Government can't do that. Um, we can't rely on government to legislate our Christianity. Um, so, for example, if you remember when the Israelites went, first went into the promised land, uh, one of the first things they asked for was like, God, we need a, we need a king, we need a king. And, you know, and it ended up being a disaster for them uh, with the first two kings. And we see that, that God is pretty much saying to them that you can't rely on kings um, to provide 
what only God can provide for you. You know, good kings are going to let you down. Bad kings are going to let you down. But only God will, will not let you down. You know, do not put your, your faith in princes. Do not put your faith in kings. Do not put your faith in, in, in presidents. There is no salvation in them. But put your faith in God and in God alone. Uh, so we do not have to vote in fear. We can vote in freedom that God, that the God who ultimately appoints kings and ultimately appoints government can keep us even in the most disastrous of times. So that's the first thing we have to consider. What, where does our trust lie? Who do we, where does, where does our trust lie? Who are we trusting in? Who are we hoping in? Are we hoping in government? Are we hoping in Jesus Christ? And if we're hoping in Jesus Christ, we can vote and we can cast our vote without fear, uh, without fear and with hope. Amen. Another thing that we have to consider is what does our neighbor need? What does my neighbor need? A lot of times we vote and we think about these issues and how it affects us. But before we vote, we should pause and ask what, you know, whose good should I be seeking with my vote? You know, what goal should I prioritize with my vote? Um, and we need, to decide, we need to decide if our answers to these questions are driven by Jesus, Jesus in his word or by politicians of this world, right? So throughout scriptures, um, and I can list them here, but throughout scriptures, the scripture tells us that we are to love the poor and the oppressed, right? In Psalms 9, it talks about the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. In Psalms 10, 18, it talks about the Lord inclines his ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. Um, in Psalms 100, it talks about the Lord works the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Uh, and Isaiah talks about for this reason God says to His people, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression. So here throughout scriptures, we we see it's our mandate as believers, as Christians, to look out for the oppressed, right? So when we are casting our votes, we're not thinking about only ourselves, we're thinking about the oppressed. Who is going to be affected by um, the decisions that these politicians make, and are we looking out for their benefits, not only ours, right? Um, in Ezekiel, it talks about puts away violence and oppression, execute justice and righteousness. So according to God, then my, my concern in, in voting should not just be for me and my family and, and my children, but for others and their children. How, is the, how does my vote affect others and their children? Amen? So think about that when we're, when we're casting our votes. Um, how, does the, how does our vote affect others? And how, do we, how, do, how does our candidate that we're supporting, how do they plan on helping the oppressed, helping the poor, and the consequences of, their, and of those decisions? Amen? Um, so another, thought, another thing that we have to think about is simply what is the Christian position on a lot of issues? Um, I know a lot, oftentimes, um, if you scroll down social media, you will hear a certain, um, a certain thought that, for example, it's not uncommon to hear that, hey, if you're a, if you're a true Christian, you, um, you're true, you are, if you're a true Christian, you cannot vote for Donald Trump. And then you scroll further down your timeline and you'll see another somebody else saying, if you're a true Christian, you can't vote for a Democrat. And then... Um, you know, and then you, they, they kind of put this 
this this this dividing thoughts um, that a Christian candidate is the Republican or a Christian candidate is the Democrat. But as I know in this election, and in every election that I can think of, there is no um, there isn't a direct Christian candidate, but there are there are Christian um, directive, there are Christian positions that we can take on certain issues. So when we have to think about the Christian position, there are some clear biblical directives in us in Scripture that we can look to to say this is these are the clear Christian um, positions. Other than that, a lot of it is we have to think about our um, we have to think about the, the the consequences, the practical consequences of those decisions. So not oftentimes we will find direct answer to um, some of our positions in Scripture, but we can think about the practical consequences, how it affects people, how it affects um, the, the good of people. So here are some clear um, biblical directives in Scripture. As we talked about before, one clear, one clear directive in Scripture um, is that the government is to take care of poor, take care of the poor. Um, no, not the government, not only the government, but we as people, we should take care of the poor. So we should advocate that our government takes care of the poor. Um, another thing that, another clear biblical directive is murder is a sin. You know, murder must be punished. And if you look throughout the Ten Commandments, there are a number of other sins in there. Stealing, um, for example, is, is a sin, is a crime, and, and it should be punished. Uh, another thing that we see in Scripture is that racism is evil, and we must work against it. So, um, you know, God created all of us equal, and um, and we must work to pro- to provide equality among race among different races races in this country. Um, another thing that we see clear in, in, in the scripture is is gender. Um, God created man and God created in feet and God created female. Another thing is is marriage, abortion. Um, that we see clear in scripture that God um, ordains and God calls children while even while they're in the womb. And I think a lot of us brown people, we're starting to ignore um, the sin of, of abortion in this country, while the other side might overemphasize it a little bit. But I think you know, as brown people, we're starting to um, maybe ignore and, and to be a little numb to that, to that sin in our society. I think that's something we need to take, you know, take thought about of how we are approaching those decisions, how we're thinking about abortion as it relates to the candidate that we're supporting. Um, some other things that are unclear. So what's clear is that we should pay taxes um, to our government, but what's unclear is that what is the tax code, for example? Should we pay 20%? Should we pay 50%? Should we pay 1%? We don't know. You know that's something that we have to think about. Um, immigration. We know that we are to take care of the sojourners. We are to take care of the immigrants. But how does that play out in policy? Um, there is no clear directive of how many people we should let into our country and how and how the path to citizenship in our country, there's no clear directive there either. So those are things that we can take, um, we can have you know, differing thoughts and different, different opinions on. Um, so, but followers of Jesus will inevitably, inevitably vote for a candidate or a party that they believe is better, for certain, better on certain issues than the other party. 
So at the end of the day, we're going to have to make a choice based on our clear biblical directives, and we're going to have to make a choice based on the practical consequences of other decisions. Um, so for biblical clarity, right? So we want to hold fast to some of the biblical truths, not some of them, to all of the biblical truths and commands that are clear in God's word and that and have direct a, a, a application to political positions in this world. So wherever there are clear directives in scripture, we should be, um, we still hold fast to those. Whether we are voting for one party or the other, we don't waver on those clear biblical directives and we still advocate for them, right? So if I'm voting for, I'm going to use an example, if I'm voting for a Republican um, in, in, this, in this election, I'm still going to advocate for positions that they may, that they may disagree on. Um, Amen. So as a, as a believer and a child of the king, um, to, consider, to consider casting a vote for someone or for something that would go against the word, what God would vote for ought to be out of the question. So we should really, that should be sobering for us when we are thinking about a candidate um, that holds positions that is clear in direct conflict with the word of God. So is Jesus, is God a Democrat or Republican. Let's jump to Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. So it says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in hand. And Joshua went to him and said, and, and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and said, what does my Lord say to this servant? So here, I've, you think about, um, I'm, use, I'm using an analogy that I read in a book. So I, I'm a basketball fan, for example. Um, so if you, in basketball, you have two teams, you have uh, two teams competing to win. And in one team, and whoever scores the most points eventually wins the game. But on the court, there's also another team. There's a, there's a third team, a team of referees. And the referees in this, in, this, in this scenario, they make decisions. They call fouls. They call made buckets out of bounds based on the rules of the game and based on the governing authority um, of the game of basketball. And they're, they're supposed to be impartial and they look to the benefit um, and the flourishing of the game. So in this example, we are supposed to be the referees of our political party. We are impartial. We are looking to, we are looking to enforce the rules of God wherever we can in, the game, in, in, in our politics. So wherever things are off of God's will, we should point that out. Where things are on, on God's will and in, in line with God's word, we should also point that out. Um, so that is our position. We, we should be, as this commander in the Lord's army, he's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not on Joshua's side. I'm not on the adversary side. I'm on the side of God. And that's the side that we should, we should be as Christians. So sometimes that may call us to vote for a, a Republican candidate. 
Sometimes that may call us to vote for a Democratic candidate. Sometimes that may call us to vote for independent. Or maybe that sometimes that may call us to, to abstain from voting at all. Um, in, in the case, you know, that maybe, you know, neither side is adversary, ad, advocating for either, for none of um, God's, God's policies. So we should vote for each issue according to our biblically informed conscience that we are voting not for a particular party or a particular um, politician, but we are voting based on our understanding of God's word, right? So we should also seek to challenge and correct the non-biblical beliefs and policies of candidates and parties that we are affiliated with. So we should not just cast our votes for a particular party and forget about the stuff that is non-biblical or against God's word. So if we're voting, we should advocate and, and let our voice be, be heard in other areas that we are not we are satisfied with some things, but we're not satisfied with other policies and other platforms within this party. We should not take the whole party as a whole, but we should advocate for other, other things. Amen? Uh, I think I'm running out of time a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm breaking I'm breaking the... Uh, <laughs> the record now, PD. Um, so think about our, think about the clear directives in God's word and how that's going to affect how we vote. And also think about the practical consequences of our candidates' um, behaviors and actions and um, platforms. Amen? Hope you're getting something there. Um, so lastly, I just want to talk about um, how do we respond as Christians that vote differently, right? Um, so in John chapter 17, verse 21, is you know, um, scriptures imploring us that we all that they be that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also be in us. In Romans chapter 15. It says, may God grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So scripture is calling us to be one, right? Whether we are voting on one side or the other side, scripture is calling us to be primarily on God's side as one, as one body, one church, one unity. Um, let's jump to Romans chapter 1. Sorry, Romans, this should be Romans 14, actually. I have the wrong one. Okay, yeah, Romans chapter 14, verse 1, it says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on a servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So as we see here, there's a dividing, there's a, in, this, in this passage, there's a dividing thought whether a Christian should be able to eat meat or not eat meat. One Christian is like, hey, yeah, I can eat meat. The other Christian is like, nah, we should not eat meat. So there, there are certain decisions. And, and, and even voting is one of those decisions that 
we can make very sound Christian arguments on which way to vote, right? We can make sound arguments on why we should vote either way uh, based on our own convictions. But the, the main thing here is to be that we should vote based on our convictions and still allow and not judge each other for voting that way, right? So, um, so the Bible, the, this, that leads us to, to the ex- exhortation that the Bible gives the Christians who think differently about things that are not clear or essential in God's word. So the things that are clear, we should definitely be aligned on. For the things that are not so, not, that are not so clear, that we should have um, discussions and we should have um, thought about those things and be allowed to think differently than, than other Christians and not be judged based on those ideas. Um, so, but when that's the case, the Bible calls us to do that which we believe best honors God, right? So in, if we keep going down verse uh, in Romans 14, in verse, um, I'll read verse, I'll start from verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than the other, um, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observe it observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So we see here, we might have this different differences in opinions, but our aim is to be convinced in our own mind, right? So do the work, do the thought process, go through scripture, go on each platform and convince yourself and you know, make up your own mind on how you should vote and how you should cast your, your vote in this election. And, um, and, and But the ultimate, our goal, we should do that out of trying to honor God and honoring God in our decision. Not honoring our particular party, not honoring ourselves, not honoring our family, not honoring our community, but honoring God um, in that thought process. Amen? Um, kind of running out of time here. So... But so this comes that that we should be all be fully convinced in our own mind. You know, the Bible doesn't say do not have don't have conviction about what you should or should not eat. Right. The Bible doesn't say you shouldn't be convinced about what you should not eat, but you should actually put some thought behind it and to be convinced about what you should eat, what you should what you should um, in in this particular example and also how you should vote. Amen. Um. Amen. So, and I, I think one one last thing before I leave is that we should um, seek to have relationship and be in and be in community with other believers that have differing thoughts than we do. Um, I think that strengthens us as community, it strengthens us as a as a as a body, and it helps us um, grow as a body. Um, in conclusion. Um, in conclusion, in this election, as we're casting our votes, I want us to think about, um, to, to pray, first of all, pray through it, pray through um, who we're going to vote for, look at positions, how each candidate clearly um, are in line with the Word of God, think about how each candidate is, uh, is different, has, is opposed to the Word of God, and think about how that, think about how their, their actions their leadership skills, um, how that affects the nourishment, the flourishing of people, 
how it affects the people in this land, how it affects the oppressed, um, which candidate is looking out for the oppressed. Um, these are things to think about. Um, like I said before, I'm not, I, I'm not endorsing any particular candidate, but um, that's what I will leave you with. As we go through selection, use your minds, use your spirit, um, and, and you have freedom to vote either way. And don't let anybody <laughs> tell you that you don't have the freedom to vote for any particular candidate. Um, and we'll close there. God, I thank you um, for this opportunity, Father. Father, as we are approaching this election, Lord, I pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us in how we make our decisions, Lord. Um, allow us to seek, help us to seek your will in this decision, Lord. Um, God, I pray for whoever the, the president would be. I pray that you would give them um, your wisdom, Father. You surround them with men and women full of godly wisdom, full of conviction, full of um, full of your spirit that can help lead them into making sound um, biblical decisions on behalf of the people of this country and the people of this world, O oh Lord. I thank you and I, um, I honor you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Grand Cocos, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.